BioInsights podcast. This episode is called Inducing Innate Immune Responses with Particulate Adjuvants. I'm Charlotte Barker and today I'm speaking with Ed Lavelle, a professor at Trinity College Dublin, about our growing understanding of adjuvant mechanisms, his work on developing mucosal vaccines, and why size matters for nanoparticles adjuvants effects. Thank you for joining me, Ed. So I was going to start with just a little bit about um, about you and how, basically how, how you got involved in your current field of study. How did you get involved working with um, vaccines and adjuvants? OK, so it goes back to my PhD, which I actually did on on fish, uh, surprisingly. Uh, we were trying to make oral vaccines for fish. Now, this is a good while ago, back in the 90s. And we tried various strategies, trying to actually trying to develop oral vaccines for fish. And we had a collaboration with the lab in Nottingham at the time that were specialists in encapsulation in, in particles. So we started using those and I became very interested in what would people be at the time kind of defined as delivery systems, uh, where the objective was kind of facilitating controlled release and an antigen depot and getting sustained mm. antibody responses. And, and then after that, because I was interested in it, I went to actually went to that lab in Nottingham and worked on uh, biodegradable particles as yeah. vaccine delivery systems. And probably over the years, even though I wasn't always working on this topic, I've kept coming back to it in terms of how do these particles enhance immune responses? Is it sim- as yeah. simple as controlled release or is it something else? And as the years have gone by, I suppose I've become really an, a vaccine researcher, really involved in innate immune responses and try to understand exactly how the properties of the particle regulate immune responses. And that's taken me, I suppose, deeper and deeper into immunology as the years have gone by. And it's got, in a way, more and more interesting because it turns out they can actually modulate very specific arms of the innate immune response. And that's we think how they really work, which is quite a distance from what we thought 20 or 30 years ago. So what would you say are the goals of your research? Yeah, so it's about the overarching, well, the overarching goal is to make better vaccines for infectious diseases and cancer, but with a focus on cellular immune responses. So probably we've already done, you know, we could always do better, but we've made a number of systems that are very good at driving um, humoral immune responses that, that mm-hmm. can be improved. We've probably historically been a bit less effective with non-living vaccines yeah. at driving systems that enhance uh, like cytotoxic T cells and release the kind of um, say TH1 type responses. So probably the overarching aim is to try and use particulate systems and engineer them in a way that's optimal for inducing specific types of immune responses. And that clearly depends on exactly what the objective of the vaccine is. So probably I think vaccinology has got more interesting over the years because now there's an appreciation that different types of immune responses do different things and different types of responses are required for different conditions and I think probably particulates are attractive because uh, even sometimes using the same material you can change certain parameters that will preferentially induce different types of say CD4 or CD8 or antibody responses. So I suppose the overarching aim is to try and really resolve the relationship between the characteristics of the of the particulate and its ability to induce particular types of innate and then adaptive immune responses. 
What are the biggest gaps in our knowledge uh, regarding adjuvants in general or particular adjuvants so specifically? Over the last couple of decades, with some adjuvants like toll-like receptor ligands like MPL or CPG, we got a very clear view of how they work because they bind to specific receptors on antigen-presenting cells or other cells, and that triggers very specific signaling pathways, and then you can understand what the outputs are. Whereas in reality, most of the vaccines, with very few exceptions in humans, are particles, or well, they're either particles or they're polymers or they're emulsions or they're aluminium salts. Um, and people would tend to throw all the stuff into a basket of, I mean, not everyone, some people would call them delivery systems, some people would call them particular adjuvants, and people might argue that maybe an emulsion isn't a particle or whatever, but it's, it's a kind of a broad encompassing term for a yeah. number of these different materials. And probably what they had in common until, well, what they have in common is they're the ones that have actually been successful in humans. And secondly, we probably had a less clear idea of how they worked historically. So in terms of exactly how does an oil and water emulsion or aluminium salts drive specific types of immune responses, I think that's what's made it fascinating for me is to getting into this field because there's so much, there was so much to learn and I think there still is. Understanding precisely how any adjuvant works in terms of what are the key, I mean I suppose this is what spawned the field of systems vaccinology in terms of exactly what is the key thing that leads to a protective antibody response or a protective T-cell response or a resident memory T-cell response. That's a really difficult question to answer because the reality is adjuvants do an awful lot of different things. We you know when you inject an adjuvant, there's huge changes in gene expression, there's huge changes in metabolism, there's huge changes in like the serum proteome, et cetera, and trying to pin down exactly which of those are responsible for what happens six months later or a year later is, it's. I think people are getting closer to answering those questions. So I suppose having a really defined notion of exactly what's the key thing you need to achieve, is it about triggering the right type of response at the injection site, or is it all about triggering a very specific type of response in the draining lymph node, or is it targeting a very specific population of dendritic cells? It's difficult to know what cells are the key sensors. Like, is it yeah. is it really the antigen presenting cell, or could it be other cells, the injection site, like muscle cells or endothelial cells, or is it target cells in the lymph node? So modeling that can be challenging. But I, th I suppose systems vaccinology has told us a huge amount in terms of, and people certainly have made correlations between certain things that are happening in the first couple of days. And some of those have been surprising, things that you wouldn't necessarily have associated even with immune responses historically. And now we know even factors like the microbiome can impact on, on vaccine efficacy as well. So I think, yeah, getting to a, a more rational picture of exactly how does the adjuvant imprint these early effects and how do they associate with lung with the, with the effects you really want to see, which are sustained neutralizing antibodies or sustained resident T cells at mucosal sites. Leading on from that, I guess, um, I was going to ask if you want to give a bit more detail on, you know, your research. How, how is your research helping to kind of close some of those gaps in knowledge? You know, how are you trying to tackle some of those challenges? Well, I think in terms of mechanisms, we've really pursued this a lot over the last kind of 10, 15 years in terms of thinking what, what with the, so we focus on a couple of systems, particularly biodegradable particles and also um, chitin-derived polymers. And what we focused on there is saying exactly what are the factors that associate with enhanced adaptive immune responses, and then try to go back from there to say, okay, what, this is the right type of particle size or particle charge or polymer charge that's giving us the best B or T cell response and then go backwards and think, why is that the case? And I think we've made some progress with that. So we're kind of, in terms of getting down to what those really early, what type of dendritic cells are involved and what type of 
um, innate signaling pathways are being activated by them that associate with those mm -hmm. parameters. And we've, we've certainly, we think, we think that's beneficial because I think if you can really get at exactly what the mechanism is, and if you can set up systems ideally in vitro that would then associate with that potency, I mean, long term, that could be beneficial for the vaccine uh, industry in terms of, you know, a, a rapid way of screening a very wide range of different, say, particles mm -hmm. or polymers to see which one drives the optimal immune responses. And what are you working on right now? Uh, well, a number of things. So we've got a few projects on mucosal vaccines where we're trying to, because I think after COVID, there's really, there's probably never been so much interest in, in mucosal immunity, which is good news. And the realisation that really long-term protection without people getting infected is probably ideally achieved through mucosal vaccination. But we're a long way from where we'd like to be because we've so few, I mean, there's no adjuvants in any mucosal vaccine for the moment. So there's a big distance to travel. And secondly, we've got very interested in vaccines for cancer or adjuvants for cancer vaccines rather. And we think some of the systems we've been developing that are good at driving TH1 responses and cytotoxic T cells might be applicable to cancer. So we're interested in in really pursuing that further in terms of, especially on the, on the cytotoxic T cell side. That's great. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about a study that you published recently, uh, looking into how the size of nanoparticles affects their adjuvanticity. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so probably that, that I mean, in reality, that paper probably took us the best part of 10 years from start to finish. So the, the big question wow. really was, is does, with a specific type of particles, does particle size matter in terms of adaptive immune responses? And I think that's been a really challenging question to answer over the years. And if you look at the literature, you'll find as many papers that say yes as you will that says no. So we, we, we wanted to kind of um, really pursue it and say, does particle size really matter? And does it matter for particular aspects of the immune response or does it not matter at all? And what we really found there is it really depends on which aspect of the immune response you're measuring. So for, for antibody responses, even though it's like maybe slight degrees of, of variation, there's a broad range of particle sizes that can do a pretty good job in terms of measuring antibody responses. So then we think historically, one of the reasons people thought maybe it doesn't matter is if you just measure antibodies, um, it's not really that clear. Whereas in contrast, in the same experiments, if you look at uh, cytotoxic T cell responses, then it's really black and white, that it was a very mm -hmm. specific particle size that can do that job. So the particles around the size of a, like a virus around 50, 60 nanometers. So that that was that took us a long time, but we thought that was really interesting. And then we thought, okay, why is that the case? Why do these, why is size so important yeah. for cytotoxic T cells? And over, again, along by looking at multiple pathways over a long time, we eventually got to finding that um, particles of that size seem to drive immunogenic cell death. So this pyroptotic pathway that involves caspase 11 and um, finding in caspase 11 knockouts, we lost that cytotoxic T cell response, even though the antibody responses were still intact. So. We think it's potentially quite an important paper because it tells you there's this very specific immune mechanism that's regulated by particle size and that explains why size matters for that particular type of response. I think what it also tells you is long term you don't need to pick the same particle size. It, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. So for if, if you're if the objective is sustained antibody responses, it's not necessarily the case that um, you'll need a very small particle size, whereas if you're targeting cytotoxic T cells, we think particle size is really pivotal. So for cancer vaccines or for some other conditions, it could be. What's the response been like to the paper? Have you yeah, very good so far. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose a lot of the paper was based on polystyrene. We did duplicate the effects with biodegradable particles, but we didn't do absolutely everything in the paper with biodegradable as well as non-degradable particles. So we're doing that now. That would be one of the questions people will ask. And the other question is, how do you translate this into um, something that could be used in humans long term? So this is something we're yeah. grappling with now, because clearly you have issues in terms of uh, formulation and scale up and stability uh, long term, which is something we'll have to deal with. But no, the po it's been very positive, the reaction so far. Great. And um, well, I guess we've touched on that already, but what's what's next for your work? What are you going to be focusing on in the next few years? Uh, well, trying to translate what we've been doing really with the particles and with the yeah. uh, chitin derived polymers. And then we think there's still a lot more to learn about exactly how these mechanisms happen, which dendritic cell subsets are pivotal, whether we can enhance targeting of the draining lymph nodes, and then especially trying to. So most of that work has been done by injection, trying to find out if we can achieve muco you know, a successful mucosal vaccination with some of these systems, mm -hmm. either as a standalone mucosal vaccines or, or in prime pull strategies where you uh, prime by injection and then give a mucosal booster. So I think that's a big, a big area that needs to be improved. Thank you, Ed, for sharing your insights with us today. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe to the BioInsights podcast.